Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. Today is the big day for tens of thousands of Starbucks employees across the country. They're undergoing company-wide special anti-bias training this afternoon. The unusual move is prompted by an incident involving two black men at a Philadelphia Starbucks. They were arrested for trespassing while sitting in the store waiting for a friend. Starbucks received a wave of criticism, apologized, then ordered today's training. I spoke recently with Professor Calvin Lai, an assistant professor of psychological and brain sciences at Washington University. He's a research director for an organization called Project Implicit, which focuses on implicit bias. He is an expert on the subject. We talked about Starbucks training and Project Implicit. Yeah, so Project Implicit is interested in implicit biases, which are thoughts and feelings outside of conscious awareness or control that can nonetheless influence how we uh, make sense and judge other people. And what we find is that these implicit biases are often pervasive and widespread, and they can influence how we uh, make first impressions of people on the basis of things like race or gender or age. Where, where do they come from? Are they something that are I- almost inbred? Yeah, so part of what we find is that it reflects both the culture and the person. Uh, a lot of these implicit biases seem to form from a lifetime of experience Uh, with exposure to cultural stereotypes. But at the same time, they kind of reflect your personal experiences as well. Uh, The family that you grew up with, the friends that you have, the types of movies and TV shows that you watch. We all have them. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Are they easily dismissed? Uh, Most of my research has focused on whether or not you can just change and undo these implicit biases once you have them. And it seems that it's very difficult to change them intentionally. Uh, The... Efforts that do seem to work involve kind of long-term, everyday contact, such as having, for example, a roommate of another race. Uh, but simple little things like just watching a single movie or a television show is unlikely to kind of change these implicit biases in the long term. Would you think then that what Starbucks is doing with uh, a few hours worth of, uh, of uh, instruction uh, is going to change anybody? I think that it's useful to set expectations about what Starbucks is doing in the sense that uh, they're essentially giving educational sessions. And so it might teach people what these implicit biases are, uh, get motivated to address them, and potentially give them some strategies to deal with them. But just like a one-hour lecture or a 30-minute radio show, it's not going to change the world. Uh, It's just going to at least open up and perhaps start a conversation. What would you imagine the training that they'll be undergoing in just a few hours uh, would likely include? Um, My understanding, particularly because it's being run at all of the stores across the country, is that it's something that is scalable. Uh, And by that, that means that probably stores are self-administering these training sessions where um, uh, managers and employees are just having kind of critical discussions about what these topics. Um, So... I imagine that it's going to be a little bit surface level compared to some of the other ways that you could educate people about about implicit biases that involve experts. Um, But again, we don't know that much exactly about what they're going to do. Would it be realistic to assume that anybody is really likely to change very much, if at all, uh, during a session like this? I think that if Starbucks uses this as an opportunity to um, educate folks about concrete things they can do, uh, when they're interacting with customers, that could actually lead to real bona fide changes. A lot of times I think these training sessions can be useful as kind of 
icebreakers or things to get the conversation started uh, as part of a kind of longer um, uh, initiative to address diversity and inclusion within an organization. How would you go about that? Um, so if I was Starbucks, I wouldn't have done a nationwide rollout all on one day. Um, you know, a lot of times if you're developing any product, you don't want to just send it out to the entire country all at once. You want to start small, uh, test to see if a particular product, or in this case, training session works for the outcomes that you're interested in. So maybe you might be interested in Starbucks with better customer relations or certain other different types of outcomes. Test it, make sure it works, and then scale it up. Would you think, and and don't answer this question if you don't, don't choose to, would you think on the basis of, uh, of of what we know about this training and the potential lack of real effectiveness of it that this is more of a public relations stunt or do you think it's something that could really accomplish uh, anything beyond that? Um, I, I like to take a charitable view of things. Um, and I think there have been signs that Starbucks has been interested in seeing this as just the first step on a long road. Um, if they use the um, diversity education sessions um, as a stepping stone to kind of larger systemic initiatives uh, that kind of address some of the, the the systemic problems at play, then these diversity education sessions um, can be great. It gets everyone on the same page. It gets um, employees and managers to buy in to initiatives that come down the line. Can you tell me... Um Again, you, you've already indicated that uh, th- th- you wouldn't do it exactly this way, but they are doing it this way. So what would you think that they're going to be telling the baristas and the other employees about eliminating their biases? I'm, I'm trying to get some sense of what the dialogue is likely to be like during these sessions. Right, right. Um, so I can only speculate, but my sense is that there's going to be just some initial introduction to the issues of implicit bias – the fact that people might discriminate even uh, though they don't intend to or don't want to. Uh, and hopefully that is paired with some concrete strategies about what you can do so that you don't uh, discriminate when you don't want to. Um, and so that might include um, you know, setting rules or, or uh, local store policies so that the rules are clear cut so that people don't uh, act on their biases. Uh, but it could, could include a bunch of other things as well. What are concrete strategies? So one of the big issues with implicit bias is that because a lot of times they're unconscious or outside of awareness, you can't simply check yourself when it's happening. So what you have to do instead is you have to think about how to change the rules or how to change how you make decisions so that you don't act on those biases in the first place. So, for example, uh, one of the things that Starbucks introduced recently in this vein Uh, is the idea that um, anyone can use the bathroom even if they haven't paid for a coffee yet. Uh, Whereas before, in the original uh, incident in Philly, um, what happened is uh, the manager relied on her individual discretion, and that's what led to this kind of potentially biased incident. Couldn't this be accomplished just by changing the rules? (laughs) Yeah, I think a lot of it requires will require changes in rules, but ultimately these rules are carried out by individuals, employees, and managers. So you need to be able to get buy-in from the kind of rank and file as well for the rule changes to actually work. I want to get some clarification on, on two terms that keep popping up Good. with regard to this, and you've used them. One is unconscious bias. I, I want to get a clear definition of that. And setting objective criteria. 
Mm-hmm. Can you give me a definition of both of those things and how they apply in this particular situation? Yeah, so unconscious biases um, are roughly synonymous with implicit biases. Uh, unconscious biases are simply um, uh, ways in which we might uh, judge people outside of conscious awareness. So we might see a black person and a white person and assume that the white person is just a little bit more competent, all else equal. And so that can have a lot of influence in terms of how we make these split-second judgments about you know, whether or not someone seems like they're up to no good or not. Um, the other term, uh, sorry, what was it again? The objective criteria, setting yeah. objective criteria. Yeah, so one of the key ways in which uh, these unconscious or implicit biases can influence our behavior is by filling in the blanks, right? When we're saying we're relying on our gut feelings, a lot of times those gut feelings are informed by these potentially biased judgments. And so by setting objective rules that you must follow where there's not that much wiggle room for you to kind of fill in the gap with your biases, um, that's a good way to kind of reduce potential discrimination. I'm going to quote here from something that you've written that uh, received a lot of attention on this very subject. You wrote, the novelty of unconscious bias training means there is little direct evidence about whether it works. Yeah, so there has been a lot of research in the social psychological literature on how we could potentially change these implicit biases. There's been a lot less research on what education about these topics uh, might do to a person. Uh, and the uh, evidence that's out there is very limited, and it's somewhat mixed. Um, the way that I evaluate it right now is that uh, we should probably set our expectations quite low for any individual educational workshop. Uh, you know, it's very rare that we come out of anything that is just an hour, a couple hours, and our entire kind of psyche is changed. It would seem that follow-up would be... Uh most necessary then to uh, to complete any kind of research. Yeah. So what we are lacking as a scientific literature right now is follow-up on different types of education about implicit biases to see if they're changing things that uh, we might be interested in, like whether or not people discriminate. It would also seem to me that uh, a lot of this would depend on people recognizing that they have a particular bias in order for them to correct it. I mean, they assume that whatever they're thinking is probably the normal way to think. Yeah. So there are two ways of addressing this issue, one of which is to not trust yourself, to simply collect data, self-audit, and track uh, whether or not you might be guilty of discrimination intended or otherwise. So for example, if you're a hiring manager, you know, look to see who applied to certain positions over the years and who you ended up hiring, who you ended up interviewing. And you might realize that there are drop-offs um, and the possibility of inequality that you might not have noticed otherwise until you actually looked at the data. Another way to think about it is to just assume that you're going to be um, uh, vulnerable to bias and change how you make decisions so that you don't act on the biases in the first place. Setting things like objective criteria or making it so that, for example, if you're evaluating um, resumes... Uh, blinding the names at the top of the resumes so that you don't know what the person's race or gender is when you're evaluating them. How will the managers at Starbucks know if they've been successful? I mean, obviously, if there are no more incidents, that's a good sign, but uh, those incidents are few and far between anyway. How will they know they've been successful? Yeah, and one of the key things is to collect data. A lot of times, these 
patterns are very subtle, very difficult to perceive in everyday interactions. And so the best way to look at it is to simply collect uh, data on things like customer satisfaction or dissatisfaction um, uh, and other types of reports to see if there's actually changes in the everyday uh, exchanges customers have with their employees. So that research would have to come from the customers rather than from the the employees. Right. Uh, or at least, you know, the employees or researchers at Starbucks need to kind of reach out to the uh, customers to get that data. How, how pervasive is this and how damaging is this to to uh, society in general? Um, it's It's difficult for me to say, you know, it's extremely bad or... Not so bad. It, it all depends on compared to what. Uh, what we know is that these implicit biases uh, come out of uh, some of the basic ways in which our mind makes categories. So every single person is vulnerable to these implicit biases. It's a basic feature of everyday decision making. So in that way, uh, it's quite important, uh, whether in this Starbucks case or in just our everyday lives and how we carry ourselves, what friends we make. Uh, and how we treat others. Where is this research that you're involved in likely to take you, or what, what do you hope the ultimate outcome of this research is going to be? Um, I think the research on implicit biases or unconscious biases often comes in two flavors. One is just to simply understand how the mind works. You know, How much of our daily decision-making in social settings is conscious or unconscious, and how do the conscious and unconscious interact? A second is practical, you know, knowing that there's a lot of stuff that's going on outside of uh, our conscious view. What can we do to counteract it so that uh, we don't act against our values when it's most important? Uh, Go ahead. Uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah. You know, given the uh, the society we're living in today where there's a great deal of polarization, I just wonder if the issue of bias kind of ebbs and flows, that people go in and out of certain biases uh, depending on what the the national mood or the neighborhood mood or the local mood is. Any evidence of that? Yeah. So we have all these implicit biases and we have all these explicit biases, these kind of conscious biases. And the relevance of certain ones are really going to change depending on the social, cultural, and political climate. Uh, so for example, one thing that uh, social scientists have really been noticing over the past couple of years is that uh, uh, racial issues, particularly uh, black, white, and also kind of uh, issues related to immigration, have really kind of come into the foreground in political conversation, and it's showing up in uh, people's political attitudes as well, where issues that were previously non-racial are gaining kind of a racial tinge. So someone working at a Starbucks who sees a Hispanic walk-in might be thinking a little bit differently about that person today than they might have 10 years ago. Right, yeah, because the issue has kind of really foregrounded itself. And you might compare that to something like um, issues related to, uh, you know, uh, uh, gay marriage, which have really kind of cooled down Mm -hmm. over the past three years um, since the Supreme Court decision. So bias and biases may uh, become eliminated or diluted um, by the neighborhood environment. Yes. Um, It doesn't happen overnight, but the... Culture changes, and our minds change with it. What got you into this? What uh, I mean, it's a fascinating area, but a difficult area to research, I'm sure. Yeah, so you know, I'm 
an Asian American, uh, originally an Asian Canadian. And I think that uh, growing up, you often did notice that there was this, this feeling of difference that people would not often verbalize. There'd be slight ways in which I would be treated differently than some of my white friends that I, I couldn't quite put a finger on. And so when I learned about uh, these implicit biases in college, it, it seemed to kind of snap and, and tell me something about what my life was like that I didn't quite have a word for before. And so that's how I fell into the research in the first place. And, and how did, did you handle that, feeling different and feeling like, like the term now is another, other, if you will? How did you handle that? Um, at the time, I, I uh, well, I, I just tried to act more white to kind of fit in better with a lot of my friends. Um, but I think I didn't often really kind of consciously dwell on it because I didn't have a vocabulary for it, right? A lot of how, at least from folks from my generation and older, think about issues of race is to think about it in these kind of really explicit KKK-style ways. And so I think research on implicit bias and other types of subtle racial biases uh, have really kind of opened up um, conversations about how races in the United States in a way that uh, couldn't have happened as well before. Having experienced this and gone through this, did you develop any biases of, of your own? Yeah. I mean, I think uh, one of the key lessons from research on implicit bias is that uh, everyone has them in different degrees, and they're based off uh, just what we're exposed to uh, in everyday life. And so if you're like <clears throat> someone like me who spends their career every single day thinking about issues in race and politics and gender and all these other group divisions, uh, that certainly does change your mind a fair amount. And what are you seeing and thinking about the way where we are today and the way we are today? Um, I think that, you know, in some ways there has been a lot of progress. Um, so uh, particularly when you're looking at issues uh, related to, to LGBT individuals compared to 20 years ago, there's been a lot of uh, uh, liberalization in opinions there. Whereas at the same time, you know, this it's not like uh, we're becoming kind of inclusive in all the different ways all at once, uh, because at the same time, we've been seeing um, an, an uptick in issues related to race, an uptick in reports of hate crimes based on race among other things. So I don't see it as a, you know, we're getting worse or better. It really depends. I'll go back to something you said at the very beginning, and that is that uh, perhaps the best way to eliminate bias is to um, associate with people with whom you have a bias. In other words, make black friends, get to know black people, get to know Asian people, get to know Hispanic people. That's the best way to eliminate a bias. Yeah. It's not going to... Um be, you know, the silver bullet, but it's it's a good start. And I think it's one of the key arguments against neighborhood segregation, where it, it's often quite difficult to have that type of contact in kind of a fair and equal manner uh, because of the neighborhoods that we live in. And, and probably a more effective way to eliminate the bias than a two-hour, three-hour training session. Yeah, because it's not just two or three hours one time. It's a lifetime of experience living in a community where you have these friends and so on. Anything you want to add to this? An area that we haven't discussed that you think is relevant to the uh, to the discussion? Um, I think that these implicit bias educations that I think are happening in companies, schools, and universities across the country, while they might not be um, the kind of silver bullet that changes everything overnight, they're a good place to kind of start um, to have these conversations. 
The journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. That's Professor Calvin Lai, an assistant professor of psychological and brain sciences at Washington University, talking about implicit bias as Starbucks embarks on an anti-bias training program for all employees. Starbucks is undertaking that training today. The move stems from the arrest of two black men on trespassing charges at a Philadelphia Starbucks. Archive versions of past St. Louis on the Air programs available for download or podcast at stlpublicradio.org slash stlonair. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio 90.7 KWMU. Thank you for listening. I'm Don Marsh. <laughs>